0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 27th episode of 2021, so now we're ticking into the second half of the year. In Washington, the positive momentum on the administration's infrastructure package continues. A bipartisan group of senators reached agreement with President Biden on a framework for an infrastructure package that includes $65 billion in broadband funding. This $65 billion plan breaks down as follows. $40 billion will be for broadband network construction. Another $14 billion will go for USDA RUS Reconnect program. $5 billion will be for affordability and adoption initiatives. And then $6 billion for uh, broadband financing programs. You know, a subset of senators are negotiating the final details of the broadband section of the bill. So the key issues left to be negotiated is versus whether broadband network funding will be administered by the FCC or NTIA. In both cases, the funding goes to states who's gonna award the money to be to eligible recipients. Uh, second area of negotiations is on network requirements. So the Mansion corning bill is 100 meg by 20, excuse me, 100, yeah, 100 meg by 20 meg in areas with 25 um, or three, 25 by three or less Um, Or it could be the BRIDGE Act as a framework that provides a gigabit with symmetric uh, speeds. And then the U.S. Treasury guidelines prioritizes 100 gig, excuse me, 100 meg symmetric, but has a waiver process to build 100 by 20 when 100 by 100 isn't feasible. And the authorizations amounts, you know, be additional funding for other initiatives such as middle-mile networks, rural healthcare. And then some additional resources for affordability and adoption. So the timing for all this, negotiators are reported to have a, a July 9th deadline, so we're coming right around the corner here, for finalizing the broadband provisions. Uh, the committee could con, uh, consideration could be the week of July 12th in the Senate, so next week, and the House is expected to follow after the Senate. In short, this package is the single largest commitment of federal dollars ever for broadband, and we may remain very encouraged on the bipartisan support to fully fund the national broadband program for future-proof networks. So speaking of positive momentum, we're now 18 days away from the start of Fiber Connect, which will be held in Nashville, July 25th to 28th. This in-person event is going to be our biggest and best ever. we already, matter of fact, we're already at a record level. So if you haven't registered yet, please do so, because you won't want to miss it. So we have a great fiber for breakfast for you today. Today's topic is on Popular Bluffs' path to becoming world-class, a fiber broadband transformational story. And again, good morning and welcome everybody. I'm Gary Bolton, the President and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. You know, last week we discussed the evolution of next generation pond, and we saw that today, half of the fiber of the home systems that are shipping are shipping with uh, 10 gig symmetric services and that our industry is on a path to 50 gig pond, which is amazing. Uh, joining us today is Kevin Cantwell, the president of Big River Communications, who will share with us how a sleepy little community in Southwest Missouri goes from being the gateway to the Ozarks to becoming the gateway to the world with fiber broadband. Kevin uh, Cantwell and Jerry Howe started Big River Communications in 2001 with a focus on providing services to rural communities. They have grown Big River Communications into one of the largest competitive local exchange care companies in the Midwest. Kevin has over 30 years experience in the information and communications industry, including 11 years at AT AT&T. Immediately prior to starting Big River, Kevin was the Vice President of Emerging Markets at Worldwide Technology. Kevin held a variety of executive positions in areas of sales, marketing with AT&T and other entities. Kevin has a BS in business and an education from Central Methodist College and an MBA
1: from Linwood University. So welcome, Kevin. We're really glad to have you here today. Gary, thank you. Gary, Jennifer, Trish and the Broadband Association team. Thanks for inviting me uh, for this uh, uh, fiber breakfast. I was a little concerned when I heard the word expert. I looked around the room. I was the only one in here. so. I promise you there's not an expert in here, but I'll do the best I can to, uh, to uh, help people talk about what we're doing and what we're doing in our territory. Uh, I will venture to say that people on this call understand the value of fiber and its importance uh, as we go forward. Uh, the fiber for breakfast call will most likely not provide you with any magic words of enlightenment coming from me, but hopefully it helps validate some of the things that you're doing compared to what we're doing. And if there's things that, you're doing that I'm missing, please send me a text or an email or whatever so we can uh, all get on the same page. So with that, let's, uh, let's get forward. Let's get started with breakfast and we go to the first page, say a little bit about Big River Communication, who we are and how we got to be where we are. Based out of, uh, we're out of St. Louis. We have a big uh, corporate headquarters down in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is in the southeastern part of the state of Missouri. Circle Fiber is our fiber division. It's a new division of Big River Communications. Uh, we plan on deploying uh, deploying fiber to roughly 250,000 premises in what we call our Golden Triangle. That's St. Louis south, the Poplar Bluff, Missouri, east to sykeston Missouri, and back north up to St. Louis. Uh, the history of uh, Big River, as Gary said, we started 20 years ago. At that time, you had DSL service. Oh, I'm sorry. You had the dial-up service. Uh, again, look at look at the transformation of our industry over the last 20-25 years. There was a dial-up base. We moved that to DSL. Built slams throughout our territory. Notice that wasn't doing what we needed to do for our customers, and our customers are why we were in business. So we do everything for our customers. We ended up getting the 4G LTE spectrum in our service territory, service territory, and deployed. Uh, Uh, a fixed wireless telephone product. Uh, While that product did what it was supposed to do at the time we deployed it, it's not what we need as we go forward. Uh, Again, it's still a viable solution out there, but we understand the need of fiber to uh, deliver the uh, broadband uh, uh, needs of the customers as we go forward. Our goal is to take our wireless customers and our existing CLEC customers, move them over to our fiber platform help free up that wireless space and move it to some areas in which uh, it's just not affordable to to deliver fiber. You know, when you're building $25,000 a mile to run it down a couple of country roads to serve two or three farmers, uh, you know, we'll augment the uh, wireless with the fiber and uh, deliver what we need and focus on the, uh, what we call the anchor anchor cities in our territory. Uh, Obviously we're in Missouri, you can see it in the uh, southeastern part of the state, it's the county seat, has a population of almost 17,000 people, but it's the regional center for healthcare, education, retail, industrial, and government in that in that particular area. Uh, one of the things, when I talked about St. Louis to Poplar Bluff to Sykeston, this is kind of an anchor town for us. Um, you know, if you're old enough to remember, let Mikey, let Mikey eat it first. It's the same thing with fiber. We went Poplar Bluff, Sykeston, and the other areas to have that fiber, in which it creates demand from other areas, other or other communities, communities in our service territory. Service territory. You know, we go to the next slide. We can talk a little bit about why Poplar Bluff is important to Circle. A lot of times we talk about why our product is important to a, to a, a community. We have a very large customer base in in the city of Poplar Bluff as a CLEC. Uh, We use the incumbent in some areas, some areas we do have fiber, some areas wireless. Obviously, our goal is to move all our customers onto our own fiber network. Uh, The large customer base in that territory understands the need for higher speeds and the lack of service in those areas, and so we're stepping forward to give our customers what they expect. Again, it's the county seat in uh, working with the civic leaders uh, you know they're very forward thinking as, as gary mentioned earlier this is the gateway to the ozarks and uh you know poplar bluff the city is a growing region and um, turn it into a gigabyte city will just make it better so they can attract even larger companies into their territory as i said it's an anchor for our build and uh, like i said we're delivering the services that our customers are asking for and, and, and needing especially as we go forward so poplar bluff's important to circle but then why is circle important to poplar bluff you go to the next slide you'll see it's the uh, you know key areas education telemedicine jobs entertainment and then obviously the uh, baseline for fiber in Poplar Bluff, they have the uh, a junior college, Three Rivers Community College, and obviously the school district, uh, large customers of uh, Big River, and will be for Circle Fiber. If there's anything positive that's happened with COVID, it has driven a faster adoption of technology by businesses, education, and then people who were slow or a little bit resistant to it that fast adoption of technology uh, force users to realize they need a platform to drive the new way of doing business. So when you look at education, obviously remote learning, and remote learning is something that's going to stay. It's not gonna go away. Even the evolution of education, if you look at it now, it's nine months on, three months off. You know, it's basically based on agricultural society and not much of our society is an agricultural business anymore so you'll start to see remote learning in the education of our kids almost to a year round basis. Uh, There's no reason they can't take classes during the summer months uh, that help them and not a summer school, which was a regressive type environment, but summer school to help them go forward. And technology has proven that you can do this year round, but you need a platform so the students and the teachers can thrive. When you look at the telemedicine, there's three uh, healthcare providers and major providers there. The VA uh, has a large uh, uh, hospital in in Poplar Bluff, and obviously the other hospitals in that community. When you look at rural America, one of the biggest things right now is the lack of doctors and the lack of uh, facilities for for people. They have to drive to what we call the NFL cities if they need major operations or, or things to look at. But with a fiber broadband and telemedicine, you can you can push the diagnostic tools and, and the things out remotely, uh, all the way down to the household where you can monitor and uh, you know test uh, patients on a daily basis. But again, you have to have that broadband technology. We talk about jobs again, driving jobs in the communities. Um, you know, statistics showed over the uh, uh, COVID period that many people enjoyed working from home you know 54 percent of the americans actually worked from home over covid and you may be seeing that now in your companies in which people are saying they don't want to come back but in order to them to thrive and do what they need to do they need broadband connectivity and fiber to be able to be part of the uh, of, of your entity if you adopt to let them or some of them stay at home or do a split time where they work a couple of days a week in the office and two or three days uh, back at home other key areas when it comes to jobs in rural america jobs also equates to population you know the population in rural america has been dropping uh, the lack of broadband is a reason for that again when you look at your children again if you look at southeast missouri A lot of kids go to University of Missouri-Columbia, they go to Old Miss, which is University of Mississippi, Arkansas State in that territory. When they come home for a weekend and look at mom and dad, and it's like, I can't get on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, you know, it's mom, dad, I love you, but I can't grow up here, I can't stay here. So the adoption and the driving of broadband will help stabilize and hopefully increase population. You know, if I could live in Poplar Bluff and work in St. Louis, but do it remotely, uh, I think many people will like to do that. When you look at entertainment, again, what's the biggest thing now between a 10-year-old and a 25-year-old? E-sports. Everybody's gaming. Colleges uh, you are know, putting out e-sports programs left and right. You know, one of the things when I talk around the country, we talk about these kids. You know, when I talk about, you know, there's a child in first grade in any one of the towns or cities across America, whose mom or dad or grandparents gave that child an iPhone. Now think about that kid in first grade with an iPhone. You know, I'm of, if you notice, I'm of the no hair gray hair generation in which it was amazing to uh, have an electronic typewriter. You know, you have a kid in first grade who has an iPhone. Understand that is the oldest technology that child will ever have in his hand. Eight years from now, he's not gonna be walking around saying, hey, I just got a new rotary phone. And so the demand for broadband, the demand for what these kids need going forward is not being serviced on the traditional broadband networks that we've had out there. And the bandwidth growth that we just talked about, a 10 gig product, a 50 gig product, it's just gonna get bigger and better and greater. So while we think this iPhone is the latest and greatest, or any type of uh, smartphone. Understand that kid in first grade—that's the oldest technology you will ever have. And then again, as we look at these children, we sit around and talk about how technologically savvy they are. Well, I, I kind of say they're technologically dependent, and more and more ap- more and more opportunities are being driven to this dependency and you know I, I joke that you know if there was a child in one of the rooms that i was talking and i took his phone away he couldn't find the door because the app couldn't tell him to take a right or left to go to the door it's just more and more uh, applications are being driven in order for people to succeed in society and that bandwidth demand is just going to get bigger bigger and bigger so when we talk about these kids being technologically savvy again i think they're more technologically dependent not saying it's bad or good i'm just saying it's it it is what it is and it will continue to go down that that path so fiber provides the platform to deliver the bandwidth today and for tomorrow as we go forward again as we go into these towns you know we just don't go in and 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 build out a network and, and and tell the town here you go have fun with it we actually you know we have a long-term relationship in our in our service territory we have great relationships with the uh with the uh, civic leaders and with the mayors and, and city administrators there's example of matt winters and the city manager of poplar bluff you know they understand uh, that this is the future they understand this is the nest, next infrastructure build in their community they have sewer they have water they have light now they're having a broadband infrastructure built out into their communities we do that obviously through civic support now one of the things we do when we build out in the community we understand there's competition and not everybody will go with us but we do educate the uh, the town we do meet you know with the city administrators with the local government and tell them as we have a construction crew going down the street uh, we have a a fiber connection into the house. We call it a link. Cost $25 for us to put the link into the side of the house. And what we stress heavily in these communities is when we have our construction crews on your street, as they're going down the street, we're going to knock on your door and say, look, for $25, we'll run fiber to the side of your house. Now you may not buy service from us, that's fine. We understand that there's competition. There's more than one car dealership, more than one everything out there. But the importance of running fiber to your house, if on average a house with fiber has a value of 3.1% higher than a, than a typical house. So if it's a $100,000 house, you know it's worth $103,000 roughly. You know I tell people that's cheaper, that, that, that return on that investment is better than a bay window. And you may not want our service now, but I have the construction crew in front. If I have to come back later, I'm gonna charge you more than $25. So go ahead and get a link. And our our adoption rate on link is, is tremendous. And then if they buy service from us, I turn around and credit them back to link anyway. So they end up getting free installation, but they get the link. If they don't buy our services for $25, we run fiber to the side of their house, our premise, our business. If they want service later, it's there. If they want to sell the house, they're selling a fiber ready house. So again, by getting into these communities, educating these people, telling them what we're doing, why we're doing, what the benefits are, it helps our adoption rate and it helps us uh, do what we need to do. And, and obviously the uh, cities are uh, uh, very excited for us to deliver this next generation network, this gigabyte network that you know not every NFL city has yet. I mean, this is just starting. And when you can do this in rural towns in uh, Southeast Missouri, you know, they're pretty excited to be able to have something better than what st louis or kansas city may have here's another thing of importance as we do this we can deliver a fiber network but it doesn't do anything if people can't afford it and when you're in rural america there is a lack of funding in these in these territories you know in these areas uh you know the poverty level you know, part of our territory, Mississippi County, is the uh, is one of the persistent poverty counties in the uh, United States. So to build a network, but then not, then charge prices that are uh, out of line with what they can afford, uh, doesn't make sense. So what we're delivering, you can see the pricing there. You know, it's a, a gig symmetrical, all the way down to 300 by 300. We we're just talking about the uh, definition of the of of, of uh, broadband. You know 100 by 20 100 by 25 again you know when i'm going down there it's a 300 by 300 symmetrical plus we provide a wi-fi product uh, it's one thing to have the service again education explain to people why our wi-fi product works well with our fiber now again if you want to bring your own wi-fi product to the to the to the table uh, we don't exclude you from doing that uh, but we do talk to you a lot about you know don't call me about it but yeah, uh, you know, if you want to bring your own Wi-Fi, go ahead and bring it in. You build a network, but it has to be affordable. And again, when you look at these prices, you know, again, we understand the future of, of fiber and that broadband, and then the additional add-on services to take your RPU up later. Uh, you know, this gets us in the door; that's profitable for us. But then there's a lot of things coming down the line that we can add on top of a fiber network to drive our average revenue per household up as uh, as we drive this. Here's another important thing when we talk about affordability in these marketplaces, you know, being part of the Emergency Broadband Benefit Program. If you look at that, you can get up to $50 for, uh, you know, these homes that need that need assistance. Our product's $49.99, our 300 by 300, which is well above the requirements of the Emergency Broadband Benefit Program. So we are working with the uh, with the city, with the Poplar Bluff Housing Authority, um, on how we can basically deliver free internet to these to the disadvantaged uh, households and help them get access to this. So we can take them from being disadvantaged and give them tools and technology. So we can help drive that away from the public housing. But at the end of the day, working with the city, understanding the program, and driving this to educate that end customer is important. And again, fiber, as as we say, is just not about getting internet anymore, or getting email anymore. This is about economic development. This is about education. This is about putting our children on par with other, not just local communities or state communities, but worldwide communities, because the world is open with broadband. But we need that access to help deliver what we need to do again how are we getting this out partnering with the different entities to help drive the adoption you know the schools uh, obviously we're working closely with the schools understanding where their 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 kids are um, again the schools know who uh, are uh, on school lunch programs which then goes back to uh, uh, some poverty levels so we can we can focus on getting that 300 by 300 product in the, to, to, to those kids uh, again healthcare working with the uh, the medical community on what they need where they plan to expand what new tools are plan on delivering that will need a broadband platform so they can deliver what they need to do uh, you know we do a lot of educational programs you know i meet with real estate organizations property managers Explain to them the power of fiber and how they need it for their areas and, and what they need to do. It says regional esports. You probably saying, you know what what is that? Well, what's the best way to get fiber into a house is by the kids. Again, being of the gray hair no hair generation, I'm not making the broadband decision in the house. Mom and dad are looking at the kids. Well, these kids, you know, esports is booming. So what we've done is partnering with the local high schools throughout our service territory and we're putting together an e-sports league sponsored by circle fiber in which uh, we'll be the promoter of it but again in these schools you know the influencers help drive this and when these kids are playing on our fiber backbone on a gig product you know they're winning uh, you know their games because somebody else has slow slow internet or whatever so the idea of of looking at getting the young kids engaged in our product helps drive that and then obviously we have a long-term commitment to the community you know we've been involved in the community for over 20 years they know who we are we've been there from day one uh, we continue to evolve to give them the product and services that they need so they can thrive and grow and on port on top of that the most important piece is it so it's affordable you know when we look in our service territory the prices uh many of the incumbents and uh people that we may overbuild uh, you know the prices reflect not having competition and now with competition we're helping drive those prices down drastically and so the end customer is going to win if they go with us they're going to get a great product at a lower price but this is also going to force the incumbents they have to drop their price and in the end, it puts more money in the uh, consumer's product. So Poplar Bluff is part of Circle Fiber. We're working hand in hand with the city to deliver the platform, the next platform for the community. Like I said earlier, they have water, light, sewer, and now they have a fiber platform for the future. You know, Poplar Bluff's path to becoming world-class gigabyte city is based on the investment in the future, the education of the citizens, the support of the civic leaders. And the understanding that the digital divide will be eliminated. and that's who we are, and that's what we're doing our service ter- service territory. So I know we only have 20 minutes here. I mean I can go all day long talking about the build and everything else. Um, but that's kind of a high level. If there's any questions, more than happy to answer it. Uh, now one thing I'll tell everybody here and I tell people, uh, you can always contact me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year toll-free number that rings into my cell phone is 1-800-JUMPSHOT, J-U-M-P-S-H-O-T. Back in the day, I used to have a beautiful jump shot when I played in college. It's not what it is any, as it, anymore, but when I was at ATT, I was able to get that number, and I have over 100,000 customers that have my phone number. They can call me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that's part of that customer service that we provide to our customers, and I give it out no matter where we go. So, if you don't get your question asked, you want to ask me a question, 1-800-JUMPSHOT.
0: shot. <laughs> right, jump shot. I might have to get that 1-800 brick. <laughs> Mine's not quite as good as yours, I guess. Uh, hey, well, you know, we got a lot of cheers from the audience, uh, just really appreciating what you're doing for rural America. So, one of the questions I have for you, Kevin, is, you know, you're offering gigabit symmetric services or 500 megs symmetric or 300 megs symmetric. You know, we have the cable industry and the wireless industry trying to tell congress we don't need all that upstream you know you can do kind of a 10 percent upstream well, what do you, what is uh you know your customers telling you do they want upstream bandwidth why is it important you know
1: again it goes you know great question gary it goes back to the education a lot of times they don't understand what the upstream means and so with zoom calls and things of that nature when i talk to them about hey have you, you know, have, you, have you froze up on a call? Oh, yeah. Well, okay, that's your upstream. And the demand is going to be bigger and better and more when you have the uh, uh, Internet of Thing devices in your house that are going to be transferring out information that you don't even know it's doing. That, that demand is going to get bigger and better. Again, is it needed both ways? I'm going to say yes, it is. And we do it from a service provider because we've been involved in it our evolution has been as i said dsr uh dial up dsl wireless i mean we're in the marketplace it's not delivering what it needs to deliver for the customers today that's why we're moving to fiber and fiber is the future so yeah symmetrical product eight years from now ten years from now when that first grader who has that iphone in in eighth grade do we know what he's going to need eight nine years from now uh no i don't you know somebody says they do uh you better run and hold on to your wallet because uh, they don't know but the demand for bandwidth is not going to get less and it will drive more and more both up and down as we go forward and
0: how many locations is in popular bluff
1: okay i'm sorry how many how
0: many yeah how many locations are you serving in popular bluff
1: well, in I'm Poplar Bluff, we'll end up with uh, it, it's just not only Poplar Bluff, but it's, it's some subdivisions and little areas right around it. Uh, we have it mapped out for eleven thousand premises. And do you have a kind of a overall project cost that you guys are budgeting? Or you know what? For this two hundred fifty, uh, roughly two hundred fifty million dollars for this uh, project, it's going to take three to four years to uh, get built out. You know, our, our issues. Or similar to most people on this call, you have two things going on right now. It's just the actual physical construction, getting hold of the crews, you know, having aerial and burial and just getting the construction crews lined up uh, because of the demand. And then the other piece is the bill of material. Uh, You know, our fiber uh, 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 purchases are out six, 12, 18 months, depending on what area we're going into. So uh, those are the two critical things that are helped. That, that we have to manage, you know, when it comes to this build, but we're looking at a $250 million build, 250,000 premises, taking three to four years to get this built out. And this is largely aerial? Uh, a, again, in a lot of these towns, uh, in, inside the towns, it's gonna be uh, probably 60, 40 aerial versus burial. You know, in these downtown communities, uh, you know, there's some with the streets torn up, and we have access. and once you get south side of the town, you know it's a it's a lot faster to you know do aerial. The issue there is just the uh, fiber poles or, or the pole attachments. Um, again we we have a lot of the electric cooperatives in that service territory, and then you have your far-profit electric companies. so you know they both have different guidelines and rules. Um, you know you just work your way through it and make sure they understand
0: you did you sign up your customers in advance or is it build it and they will come or how did you do
1: that well first off i will go to the uh, community leaders about six months before we start any type of build or promotion uh, get involved with the uh, city managers for the engineering and design get their approval then i'll announce the uh, the build in those communities We'll, our website, once we announce it, you can come into our website, you can put in your name, address, and we'll show you where uh, your house is. Um, we build out communities in zones. So we may have 12, 14 zones in the community. Uh, it will tell the customer what zone they're in and the projected build out date on that particular zone. And then we'll start with uh, emails to the community, direct mail pieces, First, first direct mail piece we send out to the whole community is, uh, you know, pardon our uh, pardon our dust. Uh, you're going to see construction over the next year in your community, and this is who we are, and this is what we're doing, and then go to the website. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of the PR side, direct mail, emails, and then events is how we get the message out. Now, one of the key things, uh, once we start signing customers up, we do have a referral program. Uh, similar to the old, if you remember the MCI's friends and family. But if you sign up, we'll give you a credit. Uh, We'll give you a month free and the customer who signed that you refer, they get a month free. And so we have many of our customers who uh, turn into tremendous sales agents because they're out trying to get 12, 13, 14 people signed up, which gives them free service for almost a year, year and a half, depending on how many people they sign up.
0: Well, Kevin, um, we have a ton of questions, so hopefully you can answer those offline, but uh, we really appreciate what you and Circle Fiber are doing to advance digital equity in rural America. You know, it's really amazing, and I know that every community wishes they had an operator like you, you know, giving them gigabit services at such great prices. Uh, so next week, we're going to be discussing, have we finally solved the national broadband mapping issue? So we'll have NTIA's Tim Moyer, the director of data and mapping, and Sarah Blue, uh, broadband specialist, are going to explain the National Broadband Available Map, NBAM, and an in-depth um, demo of the indicators of broadband need on uh, IBM map. So you're not going to want to miss that. So please join us next week with NTIA and broadband mapping. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys next Wednesday.